GM friends. How's everyone doing on this lovely Saturday? Hey, sir. How you doing? Hey. Very doing good. great. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Zombie Shepherd, what's up, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good. Doing good. Had a long night last night. I, I heard, saw y'all had fun without me. <laughs> yeah, we had a party. It was good. The The music party lived on uh, in your absence. But we also heard you went to a concert, correct? Yeah, I went to see Zebra, which is like a local-ish. Well, they, they got pretty big for a while, but they're like a local Led Zeppelin cover band that then became an original band. For a second there, I thought, nice. I thought you said they were a, a, a local Yiddish band, but you were saying biggish band, right? Yeah, yeah, they got like national or international or whatever. They're, they were big in the 80s, and then, you know, since then they play with like symphonies and other stuff, and, you know. They're one of those bands that's like from New Orleans, but they got worldwide, but they like stay home pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, it was pretty good. They played some pretty good Zeppelin songs, and and they played the, the radio hits of Zebra. Although I'm not sure like nationally how often they come on the radio, but they are like songs from like you know, that era of rock and roll. Hey, it sounds like you had a good uh, time at the concert last night. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I went with my mom, and that's like, you know, she's that age, so that was her thing. <laughs> into, into that style, into that yeah. genre. Nice. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, GM, everyone. So, I was going to actually just kick off this morning uh, with a little introduction. Uh, I've been talking to Jason from uh, Climadow, and uh, he, he's going to come up here and uh, talk a little bit on kind of what they're doing and maybe kind of what opportunities they see with, uh, with Avagachi. Uh, and in the meantime, <clears throat> we also have uh, the setup for our parade. So we'll, we'll start dropping some details in the chat there, uh, you know, as we're going through our hangout this morning. And uh, yeah, it should be fun. So I see Jason's put his hand up in the audience. GM. Good morning. GM, GM. Hey, Jason. Hello. Jason. What's up? Not much. I heard you. Uh, I heard you talking about Led Zeppelin, Anthony. Do you know about? Um, there's a recent band that just came out. Super young. Sounds literally exactly the same as Led Zeppelin. Uh, it's called Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, familiar with them? I haven't really yeah. listened to them, but I have heard them in that reference specifically that they sound exactly like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, is... It's it's really wild, and I think they were. I think somebody was interviewing Jimmy Page or whoever from the band that's still alive, and the guy was saying, so "What did the fuck did he say?" He was like, "Oh, I've heard this sound before." And he, <laughs> he's laughing or whatever because it's it, it in some ways they kind of rip off from them but it's still incredible um it's still incredible to to hear a, a young band be able to replicate such a noise um as led zeppelin i don't think they're as good as musicians though but um it is what it is yeah i'll have to check them out i've heard, Zebra, yeah, I've heard Fred of Van fleet and it does sound exactly like led zeppelin 
It's yeah, like I mean, Harry Styles sounding like David Bowie now. It's annoying. <laughs> the amazing thing yeah. about Zebra is that the singer guitar player does it all. So like he's Jimmy Page and Robert Plant at the same time. Oh jeez. Sounds intense. If I would, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> okay, well, I'm a huge Led Zeppelin fan. I'm not as old as your mom, probably. My mom <laughs> is probably that age, though. My mom's 67, so she was very much into the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah, my mom's closer to 57, somewhere in there. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> but okay, as long as she had fun. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, it was a great yeah. show good time cool um well thank you guys for having me up here uh i really appreciate giving me the stage here i know that it can be tough when we go to governance forums because you know avagachi there's a lot of other more important things going on uh you know like various different things like the economics of the game or um adjustments to DAOs and, and things like that so i totally understand it and i do appreciate giving me at least uh, the space to kind of talk a little bit about what I'm thinking and what we're thinking in terms of a potential partnership opportunity between the two. Um, for those that are not familiar with Klimadao, essentially we are uh, one of the refi leaders. Refi or regenerative finance is essentially um, a small but growing sort of subsection of DeFi. And the general gist is that you know, we're using DeFi tools to essentially create um, one liquid markets for assets that are climate related, and then two allow for the use of blockchain technology for um, greater transparency uh, and to hopefully create demand for these climate assets. And, and the idea is, okay, well, what what is DeFi really good at? Okay, well, it's a permissionless open market, right? If you can bring things like the voluntary carbon market on chain, or you could bring funding for proto, you know, for, you know, the World Foundation and things like that, if you can, if you can democratize that and make it more open and accessible to the everyday person, then you can create a much more meaningful impact, and that's kind of the gist of refi. Klima specifically as a protocol kind of serves as uh, three things right now. At a base level, what we did was we utilized sort of Olympus mechanics to bring a bunch of liquidity on chain, which we did, right? We brought on 20 million tons of carbon, which is an insane, absolutely massive, massive amount of tonnage on chain. Uh, and we own that. It's all protocol and liquidity. So those markets will be there forever indefinitely. Um, the second thing that we did was we started saying, okay, well, now that we have this liquidity on chain, what can we do with it? So we started creating sort of tooling around it, um, which we'll go into in a little bit. And then the third part is to create data, right? So it's showcasing that on-chain carbon market, which I'll post here in a second, um, a link to that carbon dashboard. But the general idea is that, you know, we are in the process of making all these various different puzzle pieces, if you will, I like to call them that if they're pieced together the right way can make a massive impact in everyday life, right? Everyone has the one friend that's super uh, climate conscious and they, you know, they use reusable bags at the grocery store or, um, you know, they're always recycling or, you know, they're helping out with parks or whatever, you know, whatever the case might be, right? Everyone has a friend of like that. But those people also don't necessarily know that they can make an impact by, you know, offsetting their emissions. Right. Or they might not even know what carbon emissions are or, or carbon credits or things like that. 
So there's a portion that is sort of educational that we need to kind of move through. There's a portion of it that's more regulatory based. So a lot of what CLEAM has been doing in the last year is working with governments and um, the registries, the incumbent bodies within the within the ecosystem um, to bring these carbon credits and to allow for uh, legitimacy and adoption. They see it like this is the most exciting thing since sliced bread for them <laughs> in the last 20 years. Uh, they see that there's a demand and there's something interesting there. Um, so they're much more open to it. But um, it's, 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 it's a long conversation, right? Because they really need to make sure that they maintain quality of their markets. So I'm going to go ahead and um, post one year on. So this is a general overview of, of the things that Klima has done in the past year. Um, but the idea is that, you know, we have bonded over 18 million tons of carbon. Uh, we've traded over 170 million uh, in volume, which is absolutely insane. That's partially because of the hype originally. And then we've retired over 175,000 tons. Um, and it's kind of bucketed into two things or three things, two really important things and kind of another that's more DeFi focused. One, collaborating with the broader ecosystem. So we've, we've worked with Polygon and several other protocols like Alchemix, and we're in discussions with like Optimism and Arbitrum and Aave and MakerDAO and all these various different folks, as well as the Ethereum Foundation to sort of tackle Ethereum's historical emissions, right? How can we change the narrative that Ethereum was bad for the environment, things like that? We think that we can facilitate that, uh, and we're actually working with them directly. Advising U.S. regulators on a Dow bill. Um, so it's really, really important that, again, like not only for DeFi at large and stable coins and things like that, but it's important that if we can prove that Web3 can actually make an impact uh, off chain, then we need the regulatory clarity in order to do that. Right. Because if you have regulatory clarity, your institutional capital and your regular companies will say, well, I know this is legitimate. Right which is important for a number of things, right? You know, one, our bags would go up in value like Ethereum and BTC, et cetera, et cetera. But two, you open up the floodgates and the doors to allow for greater utility of on-chain technology for real world application. Um, so that's really important for us. And then, uh, like I said, participating with registry working groups, so Vera and Gold Standard, you know, you're gonna see a lot of protocols like Nori and, and several others uh, come on chain to refi. And the general idea about that is that they are trying to uh, bring on new and innovative credits. And that's cool. Uh, we think that that's awesome. However, there's a, there's a problem with that is that, you know, if, if, if you think about it, if I go to a, a current company like, um, I don't know, a Microsoft, for example, right? Um, they're going to want to make sure it's it's a reputational risk, right? So they're going to buy the same credits that Delta buys, or they're going to buy the same credits that Lufthansa buys, or or Google, or whatever. And those come from more the traditional entities. And I think eventually we can get to more native on-chain credits and some of these more unique credits. Um, but you know we don't want to fragment liquidity too much too soon, and we also want to make sure that we have like the trust. Uh, it's a trust relationship, right? Like if we go to somebody, we've been, we're already talking to like, for example, um, an airplane company to offset their flights every single time they take a flight and it's a private jet company. And they literally like one, it's they're like, is this even legal and how cheap it is? And I was like, yeah, this is very much legal. And they their number one question is like, what type of credits are these? And what are the other companies using it? Um, so yeah, so that's really important. Um, 
That's really cool. Uh, one of the key points there that I thought was interesting is what you mentioned with uh, Ethereum and being able to, you know, there's things like airlines where you say you can offset the emissions that are currently being produced, but you can also go back in time and offset like emissions that were like, for example, from um, proof of work mining and stuff. Like that's really um, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's a tough conversation, right? Because it's a very expensive, like, um, it's a very expensive endeavor, right? It's not an easy conversation, you know. It's it has to be value aligned and mission driven, and it also has to be um, sought as a value add to some degree, right? It's not a sexy purchase by any means. It's not like oh, I'm going to purchase you know, $5 million of this thing, and it's going to appreciate in value. It's more like we know that we have made an impact. And so therefore, we're going to try to mitigate that or overcome that, right. Um, and so some of the tooling, and we'll talk about the green fee, which is what we're kind of getting into um, in a bit. So the second bucket is building high integrity protocol and liquidity. So again, we've there was some, uh, some uh, shade earlier this year talking about like, the quality of the carbon credits on chain, we've actually cleaned up the specific project we fronted the uh, well over a hundred thousand dollars to clean that up ourselves and we actually ran an analysis by a third party uh and it's again the same credits that delta uses or or um i forgot one of the other ones but i can post uh, a post on that but it was a couple like 10 pretty big companies um, and then the third is relentlessly shipping products to market if you actually look at the refi market there's literally no one else in the entire space that's actually launching as much as we are um, so that you have your uh, love letter campaign, which is actually pretty cool. People can offset and leave like a love letter on the Polygon blockchain. So for example, like FA, if you're like, oh, I want to offset my emissions and say like, I love my mom. Or Anthony says like, I love my mom and, and I love Led Zeppelin. He can leave that on, on the blockchain. It'll be there forever, right? Um, which is kind of cool. Um, could you actually explain that message a little bit more? Like that sounds kind of interesting as like a, you know, like a use case. Like so, you're writing a letter on. It's a message that lives on the blockchain, but it actually has carbon credits tied to it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the way the way it works right now, we have a retirement aggregator contract, and the idea is that you can purchase any carbon token. It doesn't have to be Klima. It could be any any carbon token that, as long as there's liquidity. And essentially, you go to the retirement aggregator and say, I want to offset X amount of tons. You choose which specific one that you want, uh, whatever token it is. So each token represents a different group of projects. And you can kind of see that in the carbon dashboard. Um, and then uh, you just you, you, you can offset on behalf of somebody. Like you can leave a wallet address or a name. And then it asks for a little message. And so what happens is when you actually leave a message, like you know, there can be only one or whatever, whatever you want to leave on there what it does is it leaves a message in the transaction hash. And so like, you know, when you offset, let's say hundred tons, you could say like, I love nachos. And then I love nachos will be a part of that, that tra transaction forever. You know, it'll never go away. It'll always be recorded somewhere. So we actually showcase a lot of the messages. If you click that link, you'll see like people saying, I love my son, or, um, you know, some of them are funny. Mark Cuban left a message, you know, to offset his emissions. Olympus Dow is offset. I think we've, again, we've offset over 175,000 tons through that thing. And people do it all the time. Um, you can leave whatever you want, um, which is cool. I think it's really, really cool. 
Yeah, it's almost then, like the uh, signing a brick or like putting your name in concrete type of thing, you know, when you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, because the whole idea is like what we're trying to show is like we're trying to show that it's never been easier to like make an impact on the carbon market. And one of the ways that we're doing that, like, so for example, uh, and we recently just did this at a couple different conferences, but we preload a contract with carbon and like the, the, the event will offset, like they'll say, we're going to purchase a thousand tons to office offset this event. And then what they'll do is they will like, what we do is we, we create a QR code and then people can scan the QR code and they can leave a letter and that's it. Boom, done. You just press submit and that's it. And it's left on the blockchain or eventually the version three of it's going to be, you scan a QR code, and then you can choose, you can pick and choose which project you want to offset. So let's say you're, you're given three projects. One is a wind farm in India. One is a reforestation project in Africa. And like the third is, um, you know, maybe removing or recycling methane emissions from like a process or something like that. And you can choose, right? And the idea is to give the power to the people, like have them feel like they're making a difference, right? It's like, uh, if you, if you go to UPS right now, I live in the US, but if you go to UPS, the United States, the United Postal Service, or I'm sorry, not U, UPS, the brown one, so it's international, it'll ask you, like, do you want to offset, um, do you want to offset, <laughs> funny, funny, they'll ask you if you want to offset uh, your emissions for the package uh, sent, right? So that's kind of cool. All right, so the last bit here, because it seems like some people are getting kind of anxious, um, is the green fee. Um, so essentially what we've, uh, what we've put together here is like, essentially it's a simple integration on the back end. Uh, it costs less than a cent, um, but the idea is that the user can toggle in and out or opt in and out, and every single transaction that they make will offset. So it all it automatically happens in the back end. The user experience is really quite simple. They just simply say yes or no, uh, and that's it. And here's an article on it. Um, what I really love about this technology in particular, and this is kind of the post that I put onto Avagachi, um, is essentially, you know, no very little to no resources uh, are needed. Um, there's no cost to the DAO at all. All, all we would need is collaboration between like the backend devs to make sure that it integrates fine, which is really quite simple. And all it does is take like 0.02 Matic off the top of a transaction. That Matic then goes to a keeper and the keeper then swaps it for carbon tokens. Uh, and then the carbon tokens are offset every 24 hours when we call the keeper and then that's it. And it's super simple. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you got uh, a few moving pieces here. I think the 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 most interesting part for me with the so far with what you, uh, you know, presented was the the messaging on chain with carbon credits. You know, I'm just trying to think of ways like, and this is a conversation I've had with my Callum before because you know I've mentioned he works for Nori, and it's interesting trying to come up with use cases of how these sorts of things could be integrated into metaverses, you know, and specifically, of course, the Gachiverse. Um, right. So, I mean, I'm kind of curious if, from your perspective, what kind of use cases do you potentially envision, you know, something like what you're doing at uh, KlimaDAO being implemented, for, for example, one day in the Gachiverse, you know, if we were just talking about, um, you know, implementations or, you know, uh, 
make partnerships. Yeah, so so specifically around like Web3 gaming, um, the way that I see it is like, if you look at Polygon, we've already offset Polygon. Polygon has put up over $100,000 to offset the entire blockchain. So they're good, right? And then Polygon also hosts all of our liquidity, which means that, you know, there's millions of tons of carbon on here. They're basically housing from a protocol level refi, or the, at least like we Polygon is refi. We are the home of refi. Um, from a Web3 gaming perspective, the way that I view it personally is that there's a high amount of user transactions. Um, and the other thing is that Web3 gaming, like from a protocol perspective, they don't have like, they're not flush with like a million, like millions and millions of dollars, right? So the way I view it is like, if we can make it super simple for people to opt in and say, yeah, like I'll pay less than a cent you know, per transaction to um, to offset my emissions every time I make a transaction, you know, while playing this game, then you can align the value of the player with the value of the protocol. So if the protocol, DAO or whoever says, yes, we believe in climate change, yes, we'd like to make an impact, um, great. And then the, the user just has to use, uh, just has to opt in. And so therefore what happens is, is a huge network effect. Imagine all the players sort of opt in, right? And now you have essentially Avagachi being climate positive inadvertently, and it's happening in the back end without even people even realizing it. And then imagine that going to every single protocol or every single Web3 game. And then you have a massive network effect of people creating demand for the on-chain carbon market, proving utility and use case and this is happening not even on not just on web three, it's happening even in web two. You know, there's people where they call it the climate click, or you offset transactions on a web two company. Um, but the idea is that it costs less than a cent and it happens on the back end. And once it's on, it's on. You don't even realize it. Right on. That's awesome, man. Um, you know, appreciate kind of uh you sharing us sharing something like this because it's it's, uh, you know, two completely different things, I guess, that, that we're doing here. You know, we got GameFi on one, one end um, with, with Avagachi and something completely different with uh, KlimaDAO. So it's kind of, it, I, you know, it's cur I get curious about, you know, intersections and use cases and stuff like that. So right. really I mean, appreciate you kind of sharing that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, imagine you're basically like... Um you're basically playing a game and helping the planet at the same time. That's it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and you're, also proving, you're helping the planet, you're playing the game, at the same time you're proving a use case for Web3 and creating on-chain demand for, for carbon. That's it. There's no buzzword. There's no, it's as simple as that. All of it's completely transparent. Um, anybody can access it. All the data is completely transparent. I, I, would, like help, I would hope anybody to actually look at it honestly so. that's awesome yeah uh yeah thank you um appreciate you uh, you know giving us an overview of, of klimadao yeah absolutely if anyone has any questions uh yeah if someone does have questions feel free to ask or you know if if there are people watching the recording and they happen to have a question, um, do you have a contact uh, that they can get at you, uh, either Twitter or something like that? Uh, yeah. So there is Twitter. 
Somebody asked if Polygon has offset, then um, yes, they've paid for historical emissions, but not once going forward. But we can assume that it's really quite small, right? Because when Ethereum went to merge, when it merged or what have you, it's very much, very, very small. Like each transaction is very, very, very small. So it's, it's really more so, um, that's why it costs less than a cent, really. You're, you know, 0 0.0001 or 0 0.0004 or something like that um, to actually pay for it. And so the, the idea is just, again, like you're proving Web3 utility, you're proving uh, emissions, you're proving carbon on-chain carbon marketing, you're offsetting your emissions while playing the game, essentially. Go ahead and drop a Twitter link for CleanerDAO. Where does that Matic go? So the Matic goes to a keeper, and that keeper sort of aggregates all of the like volume. So like anything that happens on SushiSwap, for example. So if you go to SushiSwap, go to Polygon, go to settings, you can actually go to carbon offset and turn it on and try it. You can watch where it goes, um, but essentially it goes to a keeper. The keeper pools all of the funds in a 24 hour period, then swaps it and, and retires it. That's it. Al, it's, it's really, like, I think that I agree with you. There's a lot, there's a lot of cool things going on with Avogadji. This does not take any, um, yeah, it's under a cent. It's, it's under a cent. It's less than a cent. This gave you a 0 0.02 Matic. It just, it skims Matic off the top. In terms of Al, like, the, the resources required is actually quite small. Like Avagachi, the DAO, or the team would spend less than 10 minutes actually implementing this because it's already set up. They don't really need to do anything. No, I don't plant any trees or something, Wrangler. This is about on-chain carbon market. Uh, I guess if you wanted to buy the LP token, Tommy, no, you don't give, we don't make any money. Klima actually doesn't make any money at all. We pay bills. Um, well, we have different funding mechanics. You know, we had bonding for quite a while. We have protocol and liquidity. Um, there's no real protocol revenue, to be honest with you. Like the retirement aggregator, we take like 1% off of it so and it's in carbon tokens so for example if you offset a thousand dollars like a hundred dollars we get one dollar of carbon it's really not that much so we don't take any usdc or eth or matic or anything like that do i need to eat bugs no you don't need to eat bugs yeah, right on. Um, so if people do want to read more about Klimadao, uh, maybe just post those links uh, a couple more times for people who might want to catch up. Um, looking, yeah, and anybody who does want to dive in there, feel free to have a look at those resources and, uh, you know, uh, check out their on-chain carbon markets. Yep, for sure. Thanks, guys. I'll, uh, I'll stay in the chat just to answer any more questions if they want. And then, of course. Uh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. Shall we um, shall we give people a parade update for those who might want to catch up? 
I think we're just in District 4. Uh, Slaps is popping. Zephi and I just popped some parcels. I think it's just kind of everywhere in District 4 right now. Yeah, I've been kind of wandering around District 4. I might... You know what? My parcels, if you're going to hang around in District 4 for, I don't know, a couple minutes, I'll I'll run over to mine. And I'll get that popping, too. Cool. So if anybody's in District 4 right now, you can go ahead and pop your parcels. And for anybody who doesn't know what, what the heck we're talking about, we are currently coordinating the Avagachi Parade. So um, maybe either OXZFI or someone wants to drop that link. Actually, I'll drop that link. Um, this is the this is the map. If you guys want to make your way around and hit these up. Oh man, I was having trouble setting up my uh, my bounce gate this morning. Was anybody else having trouble with their bounce gate? I guess every time I would try and submit it, like for some reason on the UI, like the button didn't work. Like I just pressed the button, it wouldn't do anything. You might not have enough glitter uh, in that case, but you should do it like I did. I think my bounce gate's open for like 110 days still remaining or something like that. So it's like, I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Hmm, okay. And I'm saying, if you guys want to move up on the priority list, uh, I paid, I think, 30-something 30, 30 dollars of uh, Keck last week, and I'm still number one. So there's definitely room to move, uh, and it's not super expensive right now. Hmm, okay. That's also, not too bad. To you, Dan. Good morning. Uh, you guys shipped some big stuff yesterday. Hey, good morning. Uh, the Governor Dow stuff seems very interesting. Would you care to like talk about that at all? Uh, yeah, so we are, there's this uh, a service called uh, Jigger, which is an anti-bot, uh, it's basically a, an anti-bot service for Web3 gaming, and uh, what it does is they have an API call similar to like a Google reCAPTCHA that uh, it's a, uh, the wallet address is shared between all of the different Web3 games that integrate this uh, service. And so when someone logs in, it uh, essentially is doing using AI, using machine learning or whatever to detect if, uh, if it believes that they are a bot. And it will then flag them. And the, the first, uh, some protocols can just keep that information and not do anything with it. But in, uh, in this, this week, we decided to, we've been actually running it for about a, a month now. And the positive, the, the positive bot rate is about 2-3%. So it's not really high, which is kind of to be expected since there's most of the time there's not any spillover uh, to, for people to collect. And so uh, this week, yesterday, we actually turned on the, the challenge of the, the bot. So if someone gets flagged as a bot, they get this challenge where they can then go and basically upload uh, their proof of humanity, similar, very similar to Governor Dow, how they do, it, how they're doing it. But instead of everyone having to do it, or uh, not only non-Gachi owners, in this case, you only have to do it if you get flagged. 
So the percentage of the community that's going to have to uh, do the challenge is probably pretty low compared to how we were originally thinking of it with uh, with the Governor Dow solution. Uh, I mean, I think the underlying tech for the verification is probably very similar, but the what they the nice thing that they offer is this API for helping us flag uh, flag people because that's what was kind of missing before. We were having to do a lot of that um, manually or try and keep up with uh, the botters as they uh, evolve their tactics. That's so awesome. It's going to be interesting to see what the positive rate is for this week. Um, there's 400 players right now. Um, we'll, we'll probably know in a couple, an hour or two, what the, the positive rate was. Um, but you should know that if you, so right now, if you have a gachi uh, in your wallet, even if you're renting a gachi, so this is like for you, No Future, you have a wallet where you have a lot of uh, borrowed gachis coming in, and actually your, your address was flagged because um, you're, you're doing a lot of uh, like switching accounts quickly and things like that. But because you also have a gachi, uh, then it's not gonna, you're not going to get that challenge. That's awesome because I did just recently buy a gachi um, off the market, like a 700 kinship that was at the floor, but I didn't transfer it from my main wallet yet. So maybe that helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, if you transfer it away, you might it might flag you and say, hey, hey, uh, you need to do proof of humanity. But like like you said, you know, you you were planning to do it anyway with Governor Dow. So I think uh, we don't want to impose it on community members too too hard. At the same time, we need to start taking the botting more seriously and putting in measures that are going to try and curb it. So this is like the first step to see how, how this service performs. That's awesome. I think it's a step in the right direction, and I have no issue uh, doing that. I know other people don't like it, but I, I'm cool with it. Yeah, so uh, it, it typically takes about 15 minutes to an hour. Uh, after, so if you do get flagged and you do the verification, it'll take you 15 minutes to an hour. And the, the Jigger team does have people on, uh, on call, you know, 24 hours a day if any of the verification challenges come in. So it should be a pretty, pretty smooth process. Uh, just make sure that you, when you upload your information, that it's like, it's clear. Otherwise, uh, there was a friend who got rejected, I think, just now. Uh, but I think his picture was was blurry or something. So that just make sure that you upload like a clear picture. Um, what parcel are we on now? Are we still in District Four, friends? Just trying to do a sync up. <clears throat> I believe so. Uh... Where are you at, Hefe? Didn't you say you were coming to D4? Did you already do that? Yeah, I had to refresh my thing. Um, I'll be back. I'll be back at D4. I'll just hop back. I, was, I skipped ahead, I guess. Uh, I'm just going to go right to my parcel in D4. I'll pop it. Um, and then I'll, I guess, just head over. I'm on my way there. Uh, Hefe, could you... I don't... You shared this on District 420 yesterday that... Gachi, uh, what was the name of it? I have it here on my screen. Um, Gachi, uh, Gachi board? Yeah, is that open? Like, can we share that with everybody? Uh, sure. I mean, it's not 
finished like it's uh so mark's been working on this on this um leaderboard for spending i'll drop it i'll drop the link check it out it's not finished though he's still working on the ui for it but it does populate with the stats and i don't even know if those are accurate just so i don't even know you can go check it out but i wouldn't i wouldn't say try and use it at this point it's not done yet I was kind of hyped by it because uh, for the I month, I right. twenty-three <laughs> Alchemica spender for the month. So I was like, yeah, but it's like, oh, yeah, it might not be accurate. I think it was for the week. That was for, for the week. week I was 29. For the month, I was 23. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll check it again. But yeah, once the UI is done, he showed me pictures of the UI, like the frames, and it looks pretty sick. But that's going to be interesting. That spending leaderboard, we can do really interesting stuff with that. Gamify it a bit. Yeah, so since yesterday, for the week, I'm number 33. For the month, I'm number 30 in terms of um, FUD spent um, on installations and, uh, I guess, installations and tiles minted. Yeah, I like how it gives you the FUD amount. Yeah, we, we that's how we like to calculate things internally, too. We just calculate it, how it comes out to in FUD. <laughs> Everything is FUD. It's almost like when looking at glitter, you know, amounts, it just feels good. It's like, oh, I spent like 170,000 FUD. That's just a nice big number. That's actually true. He's not uh, counting glitter yet in this leaderboard, is he? Fud from Alpha Keck. No glitter yeah. yet. I don't think it's... It, well, yeah, it's not done, but I think that's the intention is to have that as well. Yeah, I'm impatient, so I spend that glitter. You could like base a point, like have a points based system on a leaderboard like this. Like, let's say, you know, every thousand FUD worth of Alchemica spent is like one point. And then you just tally up the points at the end of the week. Um, have some sort of a, you know, could be a PO app, could be a NFT or something. Oh, yes. Jesse, uh, fake, fake cards raffle date has officially been announced. This one's going to be exciting. Yeah. I actually don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen this time around. I think some big things <laughs> yes, are going to happen. I, I feel like I have a big drop ticket bag, but so does everyone else. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I want to see some tickets destroyed. Yeah, so the raffle is going to begin Wednesday coming up, November 9th, 2 p.m. UTC. And you'll have until Saturday, November 12th to get your tickets in. And uh, do note that daylight savings time is upon us. So don't get wrecked by that. Make sure you schedule in an extra hour. So that's a good uh, good segue right there to ask. Um, for daylight saving, officially, 
channeling now will be at 7 p.m. Eastern, right? It's no, uh, it, it, you don't observe daylight savings, correct? I don't think so, because we're using the UTC time. So would it stay, does UTC observe uh, daylight savings time? No. Oh, okay, UTC yeah, right. stays okay. the same, we change. All right, so then um, the Hangouts are now at 9 a.m. Eastern and the um, Dow meeting as well. And then uh, channeling reset is 7 p.m. Eastern. Just want to get this straight. <laughs> I feel somebody should put a proposal through just to change. Like we're going to go to once a week channeling during the daylight saving period where we have to be, you know, channeling at 7 p.m. or I guess 7 a.m. for uh, people on the other side of the world. I've been like way off on my channeling lately because some, some days I didn't channel because the gas was so high. <laughs> it was like I'm not spending five matic to do my channeling today so not i've gone the either. opposite way i've been just I, i'll try to wait but I, i'll pay because i'm doing it for other people one and two it's like i'm still in this mode of uh alchemica accumulation like it's not that bad yet like we haven't gotten to the point where it's like oh, i should just trade matic for alchemica uh but i haven't i definitely have not been renting for i don't have a lot of level ones and level twos but those basically are not being used at all anymore yeah uh, it's, it's just not worth it and it's also, it's like, you know, months and months of channeling a few hundred gachis a day. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm kind of tired. <laughs> like, I like doing it, but, you know, once we got to play around with those pumpkins last week, I see the future, and it's like, I want to be there now. Like, forget channeling. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Coder Dan mentioned it a while ago. Like, the channeling is supposed to be, like, this little thing you do on the side, right? Like, eventually, you'll have so many other things to do. Yeah, it's it's like... It's we do have a large supply, a percentage of the supply allocated, but it is over 30 years. So we don't necessarily have to keep it on, you know, forever all the time. It can be something that when when we as a community feel like it's a good time to have it or um, with, you know, if, if there's not enough Alchemica in the system, you could introduce some UBI, but it's, it's definitely a lever that we can play with as a community shouldn't be something that we uh, take for granted forever and assume that it's always going to be there exactly as it was you know, the first day that it came out. It's a good point. And there's been some talk about gamifying it. You know, I've heard some people talking about different ways to introduce new mechanics around channeling to make it more, either more competitive or more interesting, um, you know. Maybe it's not a level playing field. Maybe there's things you have to do. I don't know. Yeah, right now, you don't have to jump through any hoops to get it. You you have your altar, you walk up to it, you get it. It's pretty straightforward. There definitely could be uh, a day where there is more to do. But exactly what that is needs to be would need to be developed. And honestly, I don't think it's exciting as getting to combat. So that's our main priority, just to get combat out before we even really focus on any of that kind of uh, tweaking. I will say Monday, I don't know how many people, we have 110 people here right now. I don't know how many people we're part of. I know there were like roughly 20 of us in the Discord chat um, when we were pumpkin hunk hunting for a good six, seven hours. 
uh, on Monday. That was so much fun. And if you didn't have a chance to like, uh, some people live stream, I know Zombie Shepherd and myself live stream it, but definitely check it out because we, we basically did what we did on Saturday, but for hours, like hunting pumpkin after pumpkin uh, with Neancon <laughs> on the call kind of leading us. And that was so much fun. Like I, I, between us hunting the pumpkins, I tried to do my channeling, but like the channeling became an afterthought at that point uh, because it was just so much fun. How many uh, how many pumpkins did you take out, or did you uh, were you how I was, many, I, I, I was sleeping for a lot of that. So how many pumpkins uh, were there total? So I think there were seven. I started. I noticed the the first pumpkin talk, like the clamor of pumpkin uh, in the Discord, say around four p.m. Uh, my time, so about five p.m. Eastern, and then I signed off. I started streaming. I, I participated in the first hunt. Then I went live for the next three. And that took me until about 11 p.m. Eastern. So I was there for a good seven hours on the pumpkin hunt with the with the crew, and then um, and then they continued on until I think 3 a.m. Uh, so there was another, if I'm not mistaken, another three pumpkins or two pumpkins after that. So I know the thing that got me most excited was they they were dropping the leaderboards for the little hits um, and kills, and uh, everybody was just really hyped to be able to. It was just a little text file, but. Still being able to see, oh yeah, I hit like top five number number five uh, shooter for the Gachi Gang taking out these pumpkins. That was like thrilling. Those leaderboards. We were talking about the animal spirits last night coming out. When those leaderboards get implemented, and there's that sort of like competition going on in in the battle in battle arena or something like that. It's gonna be People are going to be willing to spend large amounts of whatever <laughs> to get to get that little edge, you know, if they if they can. Like, you know, that's what I've seen in gaming when it, when it comes to like PVP and competition against other players. Like, people throw down, man. They're willing to put a whole bunch of money down just to to get a slight edge on people, you know. Yeah, I'm saying if you don't have um, a game controller, you're missing out because I was able to like spam shoot very easily because I have a button that I can just jam <laughs> to shoot. Yeah. And moving around in the Gachiverse is a lot easier because although we can't move diagonally, I have a joy pad, like a joy con, so it kind of allows like kind of that fake diagonal move. Oh, you just move in that and it just kind of goes in that direction. Yeah, it'll with, like uh, it'll the move. kind of step. Yeah, it's just it's not perfect, but it'll move like especially if I'm using both of them because I have them both kind of set up. Where, like, if I'm chasing, like, for me, my tactic was I would stand, like, on top of the pumpkin or the pumpkin was on top of me and just keep shooting so that no matter where it moved, because it would always move to the left, to up, right, like, just kind of try to force myself to move with it and pop it at the same, t same time. I don't think you would be able to really do that on the keyboard while also hitting shift. You could almost form a partnership with that company. You should reach out to them and like make like an Avagachi themed, like with the same <laughs> color palette controller, and we could all buy it. <laughs> you could do like a what is it called? Eight bit dough, eight bit yeah. dough controller. I'll reach out and then put them in contact with Jesse so that he can do his like you know the partnership licensing deal because that would be kind of cool. That would be cool. Yeah, absolutely. 
But yeah, the leaderboards, man, like, because Dr. Wagner has said it multiple times, and I, like, I'm a fool. Sometimes I have to see things before I can learn them or understand them. And, like, playing with that little leaderboard, just that text file, like, I've understood why, like, people would spend money to, like, move up and want to be better in the game. Because once it's gamified on that level and we can all, like, you know, once there's bragging rights, essentially, uh, it really does step things up a notch. Yeah, one one thing I'm I'm excited for about is the arena is uh, that's kind of the next big thing that we're focusing on, and it's uh, I'm curious to see how people like we we can't obviously make the combat too pay to play in an exorbitant way, but uh, there is this kind of uh, cool aspect to it that we'll be outlining in our one of our next upcoming blog posts, which is as an observer you can actually watch the battle and you can tip Alchemica into it. And there'll be a leaderboard for who's tipped the most Alchemica into the battle. And then the the gladiators, the players, can actually pick that up and they can spend it in the game on stuff. But you can't you can't tip it to one person. You can't be like, you know, Hefe, I'm gonna give you a bunch of Alchemica. It's got it'll be scattered randomly throughout the arena. But I think that'll be just having those leaderboards of like who's tipped the most. It's going to make it feel like, you know, watching a live stream or like uh, watching Twitch where people can like have their name on the in the combat and uh, like actually kind of change the direction of the battle in a way. <laughs> so you yeah, said you're in server mode, um, which is awesome. Will we as gachis also be able to observe? Uh, if you're a gachi, you will you'll be you would need to be in the battle, I think. Like if it's if you join as a gachi, you're gonna be in the battle. Okay, cool. Because I'm just thinking for my streaming logistics, I would need to be an observer and then load up. Well, it would be the same wallet. I would just be entering the the gachi versus an observer. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're one of the features that we are uh, we're gonna be putting out some hopefully sometime this month is the ability to actually deposit Alchemica into the game and get it credited to your wallet. So it'll. It's going to be a little bit complex because we have all these wallets and, and like pockets and stuff. But the idea is that you could deposit Alchemica and Glitter and you know Ghost or whatever into the game, but as you would kind of into like an exchange. And then uh, once it's credited, you can then freely you know do whatever you want with it in the game. So you could drop it, you could spend it on stuff like uh, like potions, whatever. So the the cool part of that is that you could deposit all your alchemica that you want and then while you're watching the battle you could just you know make it rain in the battle arena without having to do any gas that's awesome yeah i didn't even think about that part of it um like as i keep thinking about the play drops the personal play drops that we'll be able to do but theoretically you could turn the arena battle for the people battling into like almost like a little play drop if you had like the bags like to just be like ah let's make it rain you know yeah Hey, as long as you can make it out of, of the arena with Alchemica, then you'll that's that's your uh, your daily bread. Oh, that's right though, because if you if you just <laughs> walk around picking everything off and the guy just murders you at the end, he's getting all your stuff. <laughs> can I, ask, I think this might be a good point uh, to ask if you've thought about this. Will the arena be revenue generating for the DAO or Pixelcraft? Like, will there be any fees? upon exit or anything like that if not maybe we should consider that because that could be a good little uh, revenue source yeah um there's definitely like we the dow or pixel craft could maybe take a cut of when you drop like when you tip alchemica maybe it 
you know, two percent goes to somewhere. Uh, it, it could be interesting. I don't. I w that's something something we could add in later. Um, I don't know if it it wouldn't really move the needle. I don't think that much, you know, unless it's a large cut. But we then again, we 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 just want the game to be fun. We want people to have fun playing it and have fun like like tipping. So we're we're not we're probably not going to mess with that too much at the beginning. But that you know, it could there could be definitely be a, a like a, a revenue source in there. Also, where are we in the parade? I'm like somewhere in District Four, just kind of wandering. Uh, okay, we're so at we're D28. Yeah, yeah. We're oh, no, I, I went to D28. We're talking about um, Zanzis, right? No, that was 43. We're at uh, Goobs now. We're doing the Gotcha Mafia oh, gamut. Okay, time to run. <laughs> we got a bounce gate set up. Just look for the uh, D28 Gotcha Mafia checkpoint. And we're gonna hit up some of their parcels. I think they just popped the first one, um, but I think Goobs, you got a couple in this area, right? Yep, yeah. Zonzi's all good. So we're running around. <laughs> you know what gets me excited is this uh, Jesse. You'd mentioned at some point being able to like stuff these like pumpkin-like smashable mm -hmm. things and putting them on your parcel. That like making a party or an event like that. And maybe even having like a mini leaderboard, even if it's a TXT file or something that gets produced, uh, is going to be that would be really, would be fun, be awesome. Yeah, basically, it's like the bounce gate, except for instead of creating the event, it would like generate uh, a monster that you guys could kill. Basically, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, you can maybe you can like put some alchemic in it, so when you kill it. It, you know, like it creates like a little mini spillover. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be that'd be super fun and actually not that difficult. Now that we've gotten the pumpkins, they wouldn't. I mean, right now the pumpkins can't attack you back, but that would definitely that'll definitely be be part of a future iteration. Yeah, I would love that because I'm trying to organize with user OX default more stuff for the Gorium uh, Orium Guild scholars. Uh, so. Question: How hard is it to produce that um, text file? I'm assuming it's something off the subgraph, right? Like the leaderboard that you create um, for that kind of gameplay stuff. No, that's all on our server side. None of that's it's not on chain. So, really, uh, it's it would need to be like event based. Like every time you spawn a new creature, that would be like its own event, and then you could we would cache that data, and then you could download it basically. Okay, yeah, because I'm trying to figure out a way to like make a leaderboard, but without asking for dev resources for Pixelcraft for Orium. Like, if there's a like, yeah, I figured maybe like thinking it was on chain, we would just have to create a script or something to look at the sub or just look at the subgraph for the information. But it's not on chain; it's on your servers. Yeah. Yeah, there's you know doing stuff on chain is awesome. It's just it requires gas, and until until we are on our own Gachi chain powered by Ghost, maybe. Uh, it's, we have to be careful about not putting too much stuff on chain. Obvi obviously, we can't put movement and combat like on chain because it's happening in real time. Um, but the monster, the monster could that would be an on-chain transaction where you you could potentially spend Alchemica on chain, or we could it could be like what I mentioned where you 
you could deposit the Alchemica and then spend it in the game on that kind of uh, in-game transaction, and it wouldn't actually need to hit the blockchain. Probably take a little bit of a load off of the game too, right? To do it that way. Yeah, it's more. Well, it's more of our backend, less of the blockchain. Uh, okay. it's, you know, they they both have trade-offs. Yeah. But you you guys uh, were talking a little bit about the. Uh, the supernet and we did have an, a pretty good conversation with uh, some some of the polygon team last week and they're not totally ready for major use of the supernets they are getting close and uh we're definitely gonna try and be on that list and there's there's a lot to figure out that goes with the supernet and especially because we have a lot of assets already and that are on this the public chain so if you guys were here for the first migration, we might have to do another migration from Polygon to Gachi Chain in the future. But so we know it's a great there... migration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the good news is we wouldn't have gas would be probably, you know, it wouldn't be a major issue anymore because it would, we would be the only ones on the chain probably doing what, you know, our, anything you want to do with like DeFi would be on the public chain and then, Come over to the Gachi chain. It's it's all Gachi all day. Gachi's all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> so do do the supernets use polygons validators? Or do will we need to like would we need would our supernet need to have its own validators? They actually yeah. The cool thing about supernets is they do use the polygon validators, so you don't have to. They have a, kind of two solutions. One is a supernet, and one is basically rolling your own blockchain, kind of powered by, with assistance from, from Polygon. But uh, we're going to go the supernet option, most likely. And then, so the, you do have to, you can either use Matic for your gas token, or you can use, uh, uh, yeah, you can use Matic for your gas, or you can use like an ERC-20. So potentially, could could be an interesting use case for you know, Ghost or one of the Alchemica or maybe Glitter, maybe all of them, maybe none of them. But there's definitely uh, some some tokenomics interest in that could that could be happening with that. Sorry, I missed just that last bit. Did you actually say the you could choose what you use as a gas token, so you can use like Ghost? Well, the we yeah the whoever when you set up the supernet, you basically choose what token would be used as the gas token. Oh man, that's that sounds pretty amazing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine you had to use glitter as the gas token, so you had to <laughs> you had to have something being produced, or you, you can't actually do well. That would kind of be a probably not best for user experience, but it'd be interesting though. Gas token burning. That's exciting. And I mean, it's kind of in line with Avogachi. You guys have always kind of been exploring the cutting edge use cases for like implementing, you know, on the protocol. Yeah, like we saw what happened to Axie after they went onto their own chain, obviously before Ronin got hacked. It was very bullish. It was 
it was a great move for them. I don't know if I their whole the Ron token that's like re, they made their a new token just for that chain. I don't I don't know how how well that worked out for them, but having yeah. their own chain definitely was a, a great move. And you would pay for like you said the gas fees that you'd pay on the Ronin chain where it paid in AXS like their their native kind of token. So um, they, they were paid in, in Ron token, I think. Yeah, oh, Ron. Sorry, yeah, that was the text. No, actually, you're right, though. So I was joking about glitter, but what you actually had to do is you had to stake Ron, like you had to stake for Ron. That's what you would get as the liquidity provider token, and that was also the gas token, I think, for the network. So I did joke about glitter being the gas token, but I think that's exactly what Axie Infinity did. I haven't really heard anything about Ron in a while or Ronan. Yeah, I mean, the last I heard was that huge hack that they had, yeah. which like nobody's really talking about anymore, including the devs. Like they just want to forget that dark thing that happened, you know? <laughs> no, like that was a while ago. Yeah, but bro, it was like six hundred and forty million dollars. That's yeah. pretty hard to forget. Yeah, my computer constantly prompts me to get rid of the the wallet, the Ronin wallet. They're like, "Do you want to like remove this? It's like compromised." And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm just ignoring it at this point. Yeah, I, it was pretty exciting to see the response from just the pumpkins that were posted on Twitter last week. Um, there was quite a few people, including. Um, Keggy Jen, he does like he runs a huge kind of gamer channel, and I know No Future, you did a, you did an interview with him. He went to catch up on Avagachi, and so yeah, I it think, was super cool. Yeah, like he the moment we had a little bit of gameplay, you know, KG was in. I think uh, just having some gameplay is going to be so big. I was uh, Golden Cross and I were talking about it, and I said like my feeling on it is that the bar for Web three gameplay. Is so low but the barrier to entry is so high <laughs> so it's like you got this super low bar about people just want a basic form of gameplay and yet to actually do it it's pretty hard it's pretty hard to actually to do it right uh and to do it like in a tech like on the technical side it's it's pretty challenging so the bar for gameplay is very low but the, the actual barrier to entry is is quite high and that's why we don't see any breakout games yet yeah, yeah he seemed very bullish on everything like he was excited by the uh the gameplay aspects but he was just like you know the team just he kept saying the team keeps fixing uh f shipping it's been like over two years they keep shipping and uh like he didn't have any idea about a lot of the mechanics in the game so i was explaining like just basically the observer mode and he got excited about that but like pushing like you know just reminding people like with the observer mode like at this point the real true value is within uh the fake gachis with the observer mode because you can have a party on your parcel with eventual play drop and then uh you know invite a whole bunch of people who aren't gachi gang necessarily and maybe they see that piece of art that they like in one of those nft displays and want to buy it you know it opens the gachi verse up to being more than just a game really more into the metaverse and that's what we're trying to like kind of aim for here and we're in the very early days and i think he's finally appreciating that so it made me feel good because he seemed very bullish uh from the conversation 
Yeah, speaking of fake gachis, we did just put out uh, this video is a little bit uh, overdue, I think. But if you guys have any friends uh, that you want to give like a quick intro about the Gachiverse art release to, this is a great, uh, great video for that. It's about two minutes and it goes through all the different features and observers, NFT displays, uh, and uh, bounce gates. So very, uh, very nice introductory video. Yeah, that's awesome. That's going to be really helpful because um, with all these art pieces coming out, I know 8-Bit Gamers Guild has a whole bunch of art pieces now that they're releasing and in the future they'll be releasing. And I think the plan is to hold back some of these and do um, in Gachiverse sales with them and having you know observers come onto the parcel. They can come look mm -hmm. at all the pieces. They can come hang out, maybe collect some sort of a spillover. Uh, and then, you know, once they see pieces they're interested in, I'm going to be handling some of the sales that happen through that. But the idea is to get observers in that might be interested in collecting the artwork and say, you know, this art's available to purchase, but you have to come into the, you know, you have to come to this event to come look at it, kind of like yeah. a showcase for a gallery. Is anyone planning to do that? Right? Uh, anyone got plans like? Once the once the uh, buying and selling is live in the Gachiverse, which I think it should be by next week if it's not already. Oh yeah, we're waiting for that feature because once that goes live, I'm going to start actually trying to reach out to other communities, you know, fake rares and other art communities, uh, other well-known art collectors, and being like, "Yo, check out this art made by awesome. you know famous artist. Come check it out. It has to be part of your collection." And these guys will jump through hoops to get the art because it has. They collect every piece of artwork. And they're not going to let one go just because it's on a different on a different chain or in a different metaverse. They're going to go get it. So um, it's just a matter of kind of sh showing them how to get there. And then once they're there, they can buy the piece through, through the Gachiverse and get this totally new experience, you know, that they've never had before with buying art. Yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting to see. Um, once we can do little personal play drops, I think what I'm going to do is, like, put a whole bunch of, like, I'm kind of doing this today for Orium. Like, I've set up a whitelist for their scholars. So I'm going to do something similar for, like, just my friends. Uh, like, normie people who never have tried crypto anything. And I'm going to be like, here, there's a thing. You know, I'm going to set them up with a, a wallet and just have them rent some gachis and throw some parties. And they get a feel of the, like, play drop stuff. But then they'll also be able to see the art. Because I do have friends here. Like, I have a friend who's a studio musician. And he's been, I told him about the fake gachi stuff. And he keeps asking me now. He's like, all right, uh, when are we going to work on some music? I want to make some music for this. Because uh, he's excited, especially about the sh dual streaming royalties. And, uh, you know, the idea of, like, a small community where you can make art and it's appreciated. And as long as we're, you know, aiming it at the gachi target and put some good effort in, uh, there's a good chance that we can get through with something. So, you know, people are, you know, as I tell them about it, they do get excited about it. So once we can do that little personal play drop, it'll be easy to, like, give them the full visualization of kind of what's happening. They can see the art, the displays. Um, do you have any idea, like, in terms of your, I guess, uh, for the fake gachis roadmap, when, like, musical um, cards will be able to be displayed in the Gachiverse with sound? So I would say if you want to do a music piece, like, right now, the best way would be to make a, a video, like an MP4, because we are going to be getting those displayed pretty soon. So, like, why not just make a, a track that's like an MP4? So if oh, you yeah, make it now point. with sound, it'll be, it, you'll be able to hear it later when that feature I, is live? Yeah, 
I think that's yeah. I think that's the idea. It'll it's not gonna play right like right now. We're not playing like the video when you uh, until you've actually walked on it. So once you walk on it, that at that point you should be able to. It I think eventually it'll play the music. Cool. Well. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured because you know if you just make it as an NFT, the sound will work on OpenSea, but we just need to make it live in the Gachi verse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't. I mean, we're not. Uh, we don't have plans right at the moment to to add like audio uh, NFTs yet. We do. We we do. We can't focus too much on the fake gotchis part. You know, we, we want to just kind of get it out there and then let you guys uh, run with it. So that'll probably be something that would be coming you know, next year. But for now, the MP4 will be the best option for that. And it's uh, you can upload up to a hundred megabytes for that, so should be enough for like a for for a song, I think, right? Like a pretty short song. Yeah, even if you minutes. did like a five-minute oh, yeah. song with MP4, as long as you're not, you know, it's a eight K video, you should be fine. Yeah, I think the one something gotchi gotchified, like some definitely like some like a gotchi animation of some sort. I I think the one we did for the. The D four twenty one that No Future did, I think that one was about um, forty megabytes, and that was still like a, you know, I think it was a minute to two minutes. So. Yeah, it's more on how complicated you make the video because with One Hit Wonder it was probably like sixteen to twenty frames. So. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you make like a full on music video, that's gonna be gigs. <laughs> that's a good point. That's right. Yes, no future been lagging. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to more of the art. I've been making a bunch of stuff. I just haven't. I don't know. I think I should start sharing it, but uh, I was kind of holding back because I might. I might. I have a couple that are like, they'd be pretty good fake gachi cards. Actually, they're very memeable, but it's kind of holding back right now. But I definitely want to make some fake gachi cards. This raffle is going to be real interesting. Once again, like I'm just, they have no idea. Usually, I have a good idea of like what the raffle is going to look like. But I think the, for the first time, the raffle is actually going to dictate the price of the fake gachi cards because people are going to mm -hmm. look back and say, "Wow, I just spent the X amount of dollars on raffle tickets and I got one card or I got two cards." Or maybe I got five cards, and that's going to kind of dictate what the price of the cards are, I think. Yeah, this will be important for me because I'm thinking, I thought in the future, I've, I've been thinking about pricing a lot for the, the fake gachis and for music. And the way I lean towards it is I'd rather do like, I'd rather get several cards and put out like a whole album, but make each individual card like cheap like 10 ghosts something like that so it's accessible like even cheaper if i could i know we only get 100 in the collection but if i accumulate you know 30 40 cards i can put out all the music i want uh, but i guess it really depends on where that starting point for the price of the card is depending on this raffle and then the secondary market that evolves in the coming weeks and months so it, like my plan hopefully will be to keep it very like low cost like Something that can be actually traded, because I think that's a, one of the most powerful parts of the fake gachis is the dual streaming royalties. So if you have a fake piece and it moves around a lot, you'll probably benefit from that 
uh, you know, to a great degree versus just having a piece that's pretty expensive that only trades hands a few times. So, right, yeah. so thinking about volume and all those things. So this raffle will be very interesting because there's going to be a lot of data given to us, like Hefe said, for the first time, like really like in a raffle where we're, we just don't know what the value is at all. Yeah, I think uh, one of the the points that Jesse likes to mention is that fake, you know, fake rare started out basically as like just meme art, and there was no real value given to it by anyone. Where with with uh, over time, that value was given by by the trading. So with fake gachis, they started out a little bit of a higher price point, but the ethos is actually quite the same as as the fake rares. It's like they they're kind of uh this experiment so it's it, it people are going to experiment with all different price points i think right now probably the sentiment will be you know the cheaper the cheaper the better because we are in a bear market a gen generational bear market but uh you know over time it's the it's it's all about betting on the artists that created it it's like uh it's an investment in in that artist and their career and and the art itself of course yeah well said I mean, that's the the grassroots community here. It's it's always been here with Avagachi. I think fake gachis is just kind of a way of enabling people to express express that in a um, kind of more organized way. You know, and uh, I, I know a lot of cards I'm going to be making are going to be traded with other artists because I want to collect their work and share art as well. Yeah. A lot of the early fakes were given away for free, like the uh, the rare Pepe card, like the card number one rare Pepe. I think it was given away in like a Telegram chat to people that like wanted one, and like they they kind of just like sat around for like a, a long long time. Nobody really wanted them, um, you know, or they would trade around here and there, but like you know it was like maybe twenty bucks for the card or you know fifty bucks for the card. It wasn't anything crazy, but now you look at the. The Nakamoto card, the Red Pepe, it's uh, it's like the OG uh, shelling point for the whole collection, and I think it's like nine Bitcoin or something right now is the floor price. So it's crazy. Yeah. Are we still in D14? I've been cleaning up like a like a Roomba over here, but it seems like we're done. What? Yeah, I think we've ran through the gamut as far as the parade goes. We're yeah, we're trying to be a little experiment. Twelve, <laughs> which is GMI, I guess. Uh, maybe Z5 can tell us. I think that's the end of it once we hit GMI. Oh yeah, uh, GMI is the endpoint. So parade update, once the forest has been cleared, move south on the main road toward D12. There's loot along the way, and we're headed to GMI State as the final stop. So I'll, uh, I'll head out to, uh, to D12 then. Cool. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. I'll throw the map up on my stream, and I'll be right back to be popular. Yes. G. <laughs> Yeah, I still haven't popped the top on the uh, Music City Gotcha Game Gallery, so that's available also after this.
We're uh, dropping this little video here on Twitter, just uh, right. a counterpart to the YouTube that was just dropped. So once that's uploaded, drop it here. Always good content. If you guys, again, have any friends that are not in Gotcha Gang as hardcore and they're, they're, they might be curious about the art release, that's a good intro video for them. Dr. Wagney's asking, of, close to having a GBM. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's part of the V2 um, and it's, it's definitely getting closer for sure. We're, uh, we're on, on my side, I, I, I definitely want to get out V2 this month and uh, whatever state it's in, it's, it's pretty close, but uh, still some QA things that we're doing with it. But we definitely, the GBM will be a big part of that for sure. Oh, I want to say also, um, shout out to T-Bird. We had, um, during District 420 yesterday, he actually, the uh, person that he gotchi pilled through the ghost ship, uh, his sail ship, the catamaran that he rents out, uh, this guy is now an owner of Avogachi. He owns 12 Avogachis. Like, he kind of fell right down the rabbit hole after learning about um, Avogachi through T-Bird because he was offering a 50% discount on, um, you know, his service if you were either paid with Bitcoin, Ethereum, or were a gachi gang. So this guy was a Bitcoin, Ethereum guy, and it got him thinking about ghosts and gachis, like, what is this? And figured it was a crypto, uh, you know, or digital asset, and he kind of fell down the hole and now is, you know, 12 gachis in. Wow, that's awesome. That was from the, sorry, I was, I was responding to a tweet here. That was from the, the ghost ship? Yeah, like from the ghost on ship. There. <laughs> that's awesome. Did he uh, did he make a sig prop for like for funding the ship, or like a did he make like a uh, like a proposal to DTF? Uh, I know he was talking with GMI. Um, well, like we were doing preliminary talks about like putting stuff together, but I don't know if anything ever moved forward. Yeah, I mean they tried to put something through to the DTF. I just don't think it was getting support. But maybe now people have seen the value of what he's doing there and. We should try and we should try and uh, get another proposal together. And uh, yeah, I mean, if he can you know. show real life conversions, like like you said, I, I this guy was on my ship, and because of this ship, he, he's now a, a hardcore community member. Like that's that could be pretty interesting. People see the value in the GM bus, right? That's the analogy we use a lot, and they that's go true. everywhere. Bankless Dow is funding the GM bus, and so is uh, the Green Pilled podcast, Kevin Owaki. So, yeah. The first I've heard of this, where, where, is this, where is this GM bus? It's just Never uh, seen it on like a sprinter type van that's traveling across the country that has a bunch of crypto stickers all over it Bankless Dow and <laughs> Gitcoin and other things. And they basically just go to events, like not just crypto events, they're going to like Art Basel and other things like that to, um, you know, just talk about crypto and educate people on a basic level. Really, they just want to drive yeah. us across the country talking about crypto. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of cool. It's bringing awareness at least. And, you know, um, I, I get what they're doing. It, it makes sense to... You know, a normie might interact with the bus a lot better than some guy explaining some overly complicated concept. I don't know. Yeah, 
and that's like uh it's a great a great like uh, conversation starter yeah i mean i have uh avagachi stickers on my bike people notice that so it's like it kind of the same thing People ever come up to you and be like, "What are these little ghosts on your bike?" <laughs> on the bike, on my laptop, more than anything. And now I've been wearing the Avagachi hat more because I've been kind of letting my hair go. I've been a little lazy about getting a haircut, as you can see on the stream. So I've been wearing the the Gachi New York City hat uh, a lot more. So people will ask, "Hey, what is that?" If anything, they tend to get drawn in more by the raffle because they see it and they're like, "What the hell is that?" Like, Come over here. Let me tell you a tale. The raffle, the sus butterfly, very mimetic. Yeah, yeah, they are. Did you guys pop the GMI parcel? Because I'm behind the, at the smoke shack and I'm, I'm ready to pop. I have not yet. I'm ready. I'm about right, to. I'll pop mine. Let's do it. Let's do it. The grand finale. We're commence. all GMI, right? Uh, like seven of us that are here at GMI. No, no, everybody's oh, GMI. <laughs> GMI doesn't exclude. We're all GMI. All right. We'll let it go this time. Yep. There is, I think there is a bounce kit at GMI, isn't there? Uh, yep. There you go. Z5 says yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, look at that. That's a nice spillover. Um, I'm going to make an announcement this week um, talking to Dr. Wagney. The Forge team has begun working on or are, are working on the, the artwork for the Forge. They have uh, asked GMI to put together a art contest for Essence and Alloys. And so this is a kind of reaching out to the community to see um, what we could come up with, you know, as a contribution to the forge. And, you know, just even con contributing with some sort of a design that can be iterated on would be even cool. But we want to see what the artists can do. And uh, we'll be getting the details of the art contest out this week. So that should be, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what artists can do. There will, there will be a ghost prize for each. So the, the winner of the best essence design and the best um, alloy design, there's going to be 500 ghosts awarded to each of those winners. Cool. The Forge project overall is actually pretty exciting. Um, you know, from a game design perspective, from a community perspective, it's tying in many elements together. Yeah, I'll drop a link, because uh, we did a Twitter space this Wednesday with Dr. Wagney, and uh, I cut out a piece of video that's like four or six minutes long, and it's like the most concise like TLDR about the Forge that you can get. You should listen to the whole Twitter space, but this one specific piece, it's like perfect if you're just trying to figure it out and wrap your head around it. They also released a light paper last week, so I'll drop that as well. You can check that out. Oh, this is, is this the official light paper? Yeah, uh, they they dropped it last week uh, at the, yes. I think, the DAO meeting. 
Oh yeah, I think that was yeah, I was AFK for that for the first hour. Cool. Have a read. It's been a lot of good DAO conversation the last couple of weeks. We got the forge, we got all the channeling, kind of the brainstorm happening with that. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've been talking about the I've been, you know, looking at the the mission and vision discussion we want to really get that going so i want to commit a decent part of tomorrow to just talking to the dow about that put some i put some things together hardcore has helped with a few of the slides and i think it's going to be a really good discussion nice yeah. uh, alongside everything else of course yeah uh while we got the convo i did want to do a little quick brainstorm and see what what the what your guys thoughts are uh, there was this uh, post on the DAO, which is open up NFT displays to all Polygon NFTs. And, you know, I think that's a, a I don't think it should just be all Polygon NFTs. Uh, it should be all NFTs eventually. But the, the main question is on the rollout. Like, it, seemed, it does seem like a, an interesting BD opportunity, like biz dev opportunity for us to have a contest between other NFT projects and say, know do we who's going to get whitelisted this week is it going to be the apes is it going to be could be a blue chips it could be other nft projects um that aren't necessarily blue chips but basically non-gachi assets it's it's basically either we do like a some sort of like weekly whitelist that could could be really powerful um or we do some form or, or we just you know let it let anyone in all at the same time and basically say uh, the NFT displays are are open for for basically anyone that has an open sea collection, essentially. Said so there might be a challenge with listing um, NFTs on OpenSea, though, right? Like NFTs actually minted on OpenSea. Yeah, well, we would have to get that sorted. It's basically oh. uh, it would be uh, right now we're using Morales, so we would have to use both probably. But assuming that we could get that handled. It, the, the main question for me is like, do we want to have some sort of contest that we invite? Uh, maybe we somehow we pick like five NFT projects each week, and they have to battle it out on Twitter. Uh, is that even? Would that even? Uh, you know, how how would that go? Is it would it would people actually go for it, or would they just be like, who's you know who's this, who's the why why do they care? Why does a board ape care? If they uh, should they try to fight for the whitelist for that week, there there could be some interesting competition, but it might just be a, a bunch of extra work that doesn't actually get anything accomplished, or or it might be a kind of a cool idea. I liked how um, uh, what's I think it was called Web three, right? The the metaverse. I really liked how they did it, how they mm -hmm. kind of invited projects out week by week, and they actually extended a olive branch out and said, "Hey, look." Come hang out in our metaverse for a week. We'll actually kind of make it look kind of fun and appealing for your crowd just for that time and then onboard people that way. I know we have some gachi gang that still play Web3 just from that event. Yeah, so basically they, were, they went out and contacted uh, the project leads, I guess, and invited them to join. It, it, it could be cool, yeah. I, I figured there might be... We might be able to generate more engagement on Twitter if we did like a contest, but it's exactly how to run that contest. We have to think through it. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to think how, like, where the competition aspect would come from, right? Because I think one thing we want to maybe maybe avoid is saying, like, imp implying that this X community is way better than this community. Like, that's well, it would, it would be it would be a Twitter vote, I guess. You know, it would be some sort of Twitter, uh, okay. probably an activity, which is so easy to bot. <laughs> At the same time, you know, it, they are pretty powerful. It is interesting. Yeah. I always thought another interesting way of getting community interest from other communities is doing like art collabs with their community. So you do actually 8-Bit Gamers Guild already kind of did that with uh, Pepe. Like there's some Pepe's inside of the gachi pieces and they've kind of crossed over the worlds to make it make sense. And and so you see, you'll, you'll start to see some of the 8-Bit Gamers Guild pieces they've minted actually have like other characters that are not gachis but it all kind of makes sense and so maybe that could be one way to gauge or generate you know some interest i mean it'd be cool if um like somebody was talking about the uh, gbms in the chat like if i can you know certain whitelisted nfts like say cool cats uh where i can throw up a gbm invite a whole you know the cool cats discord those people like hey i'm gonna gbm this cool cat or like a cool pet, say, because that's a lot cheaper, mm -hmm. and see what kind of, because they've never experienced a GBM, so that would be kind of, you know, like, we all know what the, the beauty of GBM is, so just introducing it in that way while having, like, a little Alchemica party on a parcel could be a cool way if we take, you know, like, a bizarre fee for that GBM to earn additional revenue. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, the bazaar doesn't support a lot of other contracts right now, but... The GBM, it technically it can support anything. You can just as long as it's got a, an ERC address, pretty pretty easy to support actually. So yeah, you could you could definitely have GBM auctions in the Gachiverse for different projects. You know, for a long time, I was kind of maybe even a little opposed to having other projects like being in the Citadel and and sharing like you know I was like maybe it should all be Gachi themed. But I've kind of come around like with through the conversations we've been having uh, and just looking at how the Citadel is kind of coming together with the art and the fake gachis and the community and people we've onboarded so far. Uh, I think the Citadel could be like a really cool town square and like maybe the rest outside of the gachiverse is very much like heavily mm -hmm. steeped in Avagachi lore and it's like very Avagachi. Like maybe you can't even leave the Citadel without an Avagachi. Um, but maybe the Citadel could be this very creative social hub, you know, where people can hang out. Yeah, that's, I mean, if we, we are in the web three space, so we, we do want to think of ourselves as part of the metaverse and the metaverse is interoperable. Uh, at the same time, we don't want to give our yield away to anyone. They should be part of our ecosystem, but you know, NFT displays, don't really, they don't really having uh, anyone be able to act, access it or join and check it out doesn't really take away any yield. So it seems like a, a cool, cool way to have other communities uh, be onboarded. Yeah, because you can always, you know, like as promotional events, say, uh, host a GBM where you're auctioning off a gachi and you open it to other people who are not necessarily gachi gang, but you know, like, Ideally, it's going to go under floor, so it's like somebody's getting onboarded, but for like a good price. But you make it a whole, you know, uh, event. 
Yeah, Zico's got a good point, and this is one of the main well, one of the considerations, which is if you whitelist any project, why would you need a fake gachi? Why couldn't you just go on OpenSea and make a fake gachi with the same image? Obviously, it's not in the collection, but it would be displayed on your on your NFT display, so it would look like a fake gachi. I think one cool thing to implement with the fake gachis, whether it's a community built or, you know, pixel craft built would be a leaderboard for the top collectors. This is something that uh, really drives the animal spirits and people who like to collect cards and to know who has the whole deck of card, who owns every single card. You know, it's something that I check frequently with the rare Pepe's to see who the top collectors are. And it's kind of like a constant rarity farming leaderboard where you always see like big moves being made and, it's it's just really cool to watch the who's who's moving up the leaderboard and you know where do you see people, that is that um, part of their yeah so if you go to like pepe dot what the fuck the the site pepe dot wtf they actually have a leaderboard for the cards mm-hmm. um, to see who the top collectors are and uh, I can drop it here actually. And it's pretty cool, man. I think Master Yang is in the top three of all the collectors, like out of all of rare Pepe collectors. Oh, yeah, I see the leaderboard now. Mm -hmm. And so having something like this where you just have the address and all the cards and then the floor valuation of the card, you know, has the unique cards. It's just a really cool um, way to track, you know, these leaderboards. Yeah, that's pretty. This says plus. Uh, how many cards are there total? Uh, for rare Pepe's, there's seventeen, one thousand seven hundred and seventy-four, I think. And then so this for guy's fake... got, oh yeah, so this guy's got like six, one thousand six hundred eighty of seventeen seventy-four. So he that's why almost... he's the he's the biggest collector. <laughs> yeah, because he has almost every single one. So yeah, you would have a counter going right uh, out of twenty five thirty five, and it would just be constantly tracking out of twenty five thirty five who has the most. I wonder who has the most at this point. I think I have like uh, eight or ten. I have to check again. Yeah, I think I have four or five right now at this point, but it could be, you know, could get real competitive for sure. Yeah, I have 10 pieces. Oh, biggest gainer. Momentum leaderboard and a collector's leaderboard. I really like that. That's a cool idea, Jesse. Yeah, I think also in terms of the Polygon NFTs, I think it's better to start like through a biz dev like lens and whitelist them one by one. Certain projects that we know um, that are popular that are you know we can bring in and we know are just not scams, so that you can protect the fake gachi art itself without just having people you know post anything mm-hmm. on Polygon and bring it in. Um, would you be able to open to ETH projects as well? Because I'm sure some of the ETH projects can deploy like uh, yeah, yeah. you know placeholder tokens or something. Yeah, I mean, our uh, as long as they have like a contract, they, for us it's super easy to 
to whitelist any NFT. We just need the contract and we fetch it from uh, Morales. So for the, it is tough for the OpenSea ones because those don't have their own contract address. They're all part of the same massive OpenSea uh, directory. So if it, it's great if they have their own contract address that they, they minted their own NFT. Super convenient for us. And uh, I, I do like that idea. Um, White Ranger, he said maybe a card is re required. I think by a card, he means uh, like actually minting a fake gachi. So like if the board apes wanted to get their stuff displayed, someone would need to make a board ape fake gachi piece of art and burn it. Yeah, that's what I was kind of saying before with crossing the communities over. That could be a really good way through art. You know, yeah. um, having the art able to be purchased, and also showing, you know, like the the story of these two communities. It tells us like art tells a story, right? So, yeah, yeah super cool. Like we did with the the whole reason like fakes got started was because of the Pepagachi. That's really cool. That was a really inspirational kind of piece, and it's kind of cool that we've cemented ourselves in fake rares. And we're the we're the only we're the only gaming project in fake in the whole fake rare. Yeah. So, uh, Coder Dan, how do you feel about using, um, like, with the NFT displays as a way to onboard other uh, Polygon games? Well, that's what we're saying here. Like, if, if Luchadores wanted to get their NFTs displayed, they would make a Luchadores Avagachi fake gachi, I think is what they're saying. So, like, is that what you mean? Or you mean the actual gaming assets being like characters in the gachi verse? Well, I mean, yeah, like gaming assets, maybe not being like full gachis, but gaming, you know, they can come in and play in the gachi verse on some level, I guess. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of our longer term goals is, is to be able to allow those token, those projects to drop their tokens in the gachi verse. And like, oh, maybe it's maybe gachis and those. But for example, like if Luchadores has, they, I think they have a token, right? They would have their Luchadores playable and they could drop their token in the game and Avagachis and Luchadores could pick those tokens up. That would be, that'd be pretty interesting, I think. But it would only be for that token. Like they couldn't pick up Alchemica. Only Gachis can pick up Alchemica. Well, you're also building out, like, we talked about the GVM infrastructure here. So, theoretically, you could, Pixelcraft could um, host, like, a wide-scale event for, like, a new, like, drop for a new game or a new PFP or something on Polygon, right? Like, oh, say if I, yeah. I made a new project, I'm like, hey, can I do a drop? You know, we'll use your observers. These people are going to be Polygon native anyway. That could be a use case, right? Yeah, bling. we're going to bring back the play drop. That's... That's a, a big use case. We just need to sort out the bots a little bit better, but that's definitely a big uh, use case for the Gachiverse. We can have entire like party areas that are kind of like we have the infra to support it. Um, so you could theoretically have your own section of the Gachiverse uh, that is for your party. You're kind of renting out the space, and uh, we we can we can provide the tech to support the the token dropping or however you want to do it so yeah i think it'd be super cool to be able to have like a a play a play drop for uh, a new token airdrop
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think I mean this infra that we're that we have is is super powerful, and it's taken uh, quite a long time to to get it developed, and we're still developing like the some of the cool features like being able to drop tokens on, on that you want, but uh, a lot of the hard work is done at this point. So really, we're I think you know once we get combat, and then next year it's going to just be a lot of uh, a lot of BD opportunities. To, to reach out to other communities, see what we can do with other people. Now that we have this space that people can come in and play in, it's like, it can be very exciting. We could theoretically have, uh, we'd have to figure out how it works, but uh, gachis versus luchadores happening re in real time <laughs> in the gachiverse. Ooh, that would be cool. There's definitely some projects that would vibe really well with avagachis, like in a, even in a battle or arena kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, that yeah, would be a lot to, of fun. We have to work out like the, how the traits would work. I have no idea how that would work, but uh, there's definitely something to an idea of of having like a an NFT based, like multi NFT fighter game. Well, even now with just the pumpkins, right? If they, if you had like gachi tokens, you can flag all of them, and then luchador tokens, and then you set up a pumpkin with the common goal of everybody attack it, whoever you know, actually gets more hits and burst it wins. You could do that mm -hmm. right now, actually. Yeah, we just need to start. We just need to add support for more tokens, and which is on our roadmap. Uh, last question, I guess, for me. What's up with the, uh, any update on the uh, holiday sweater? Yeah, we should have some good news on that pretty soon. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have any specific details yet, but uh, should definitely have some news on that in, in the next couple of weeks. I need that sweater, man. It's getting cold over yeah. here. <laughs> definitely. George says, "Decentral Games, Ice Poker, looking for more polygon-based games to partner with." There's mice. Yeah, maybe there's a, a way that they could drop some ice in the Gachiverse to raise it, help raise awareness of them, of their game. Is Gachi Mafia setting up a storefront in Decentraland? Because they got a whole bunch of casinos, you know? Gonna have a Gachi casino in Decentraland. I like that, Jesse. Better yet, let's let's bring them to the Gachiverse. Yeah, absolutely. So many opportunities, like you say. Like this is a this is a platform, and I think there's gonna be many different verticals like forming from this platform that you guys have made. You know, starting with the Avagachis, but now the Gachiverse layer on top. And then you know the user generated content layer now on top with the on top of that with the you know fake gachis and then whatever else might be coming down the line right music nfts or you know lodge related things like it's it's pretty exciting actually you made me think about it um i'm in contact with the nova creed team and they're on polygon as well so that might be a nice little uh they might be able to drop some fuel or ice in the gachi verse 
mm-hmm. to their players like as observers. So who's the best person on your team to talk to? Because uh, I know Moon is no longer in that capacity. Like right now, we're still not, we're not in like mega BD mode yet. We're, we're still in mega dev mode because there's still a lot of these features that we're talking about that need to be added. So it's like, we feel like it's a little bit early to start telling all, like inviting everyone to join when the features aren't really live and there's no specific date on when they're going to be live. But uh, definitely that, a lot of that stuff is going to be, it's going to be post. Uh, we're we're going to be having a, a roadmap for the arena coming out fairly soon. And uh, post arena, the arena itself is like, it's a, it's a big project, but these kind of features are going to be added in between uh, the big features like the arena and the great battle. So yeah, I would say, I mean, just keep chatting with them. There's, there's no rush on it. As long as, as long as their project is around in six months, then uh, we can three or six months, we can talk when we're ready. Okay. Yeah, that works. On the you, we the fake gotcha side. Well, I'm I'm gonna have a think on that, and could be a, a cool solution to the whitelisting issue. Because once, if another community wants to actually invest and make a fake gotcha, that would kind of be their ticket to the gotcha verse. And it's a it's a cool cool idea. It's great because you'd also have a market that would want to buy those cards. Like that community, if I was like, for example, in Board Apes. And there's a cool like fake gachi NFT with board apes and gachis themed. Uh, I buy that, especially if it's like my my entry point into the into the gachi verse. Yeah, who do we who do we want to see as our first non gachi uh, kind of art whitelisted in the gachi verse? Who's the who's our ideal first collection? Zen. Let's. I think we should reach out to like the other like OG on-chain projects. Like we have Luchadores, we have Matic Mike. I'm sure there's like a few other ones out there too that are just like these really cool. Uh, I like Ma- I really like Matic Mike. I like that project. Uh, but there are probably some other like really cool on-chain uh, NFT projects that have similar vibes that could come in. There's also DeFi Kingdoms who have like uh, they have a very RPG oriented community that would be interested. So, Sandbox, yeah. My, I've, I've never heard of Matic Mike. <laughs> you don't know Matic Mike? Okay. <laughs> no. okay. I know I Magic Mike, but not Matic Mike. That's really <laughs> very similar. Does anybody have Matic Mikes to drop in the chat? <laughs> <laughs> International Six Simple. It's pretty funny. It's actually a pretty great project. It, they it were very similar to Lucha. Yeah, so there's some artists out there. Obviously, you know, Hackatow, Art Blocks, that'd be really cool. Board Apes, Magic Mike, all in the same class, I'm sure. Reading the there smart might be contract. some apes that are if I were an ape right now, I'd be I'd be looking at all the other metaverses that are actually developing and, and being get being a little worried. Like what's what's going on with uh with the other side. I might be open, but I don't know. 
Other side, what's going on with them? Was there a price? I don't know. Oh, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of updates on it yet recently. Is is there something happened within it with like with it recently? Apparently, last I heard, there was a lot of frustration around a lack of transparency around what like people were getting items on their land and they had no idea what they do. Um, there's still no clarity. Like many months later, like what these items actually do on people's land. So people are just kind of stuck holding these things. It kind of reminds me of a Axie Infinity situation all over again, where um, the investors buy on the hype and then they're kind of just left there hanging onto the parcel or the the image of the parcel um, for years and years till it's actually done. Dead Polar says it's actually really good. Uh, yeah, so one mission. I mean, they did their first trip like three months ago, and yeah, it looked it did look sick. It, uh, obviously, the improbable IO tech is is really good. But what's happened since then? Yeah, the, the improbable IO guys, they've been building that system for like 10 years. They're a huge, super like well-funded VC company building out this like uh, the, this tech that can support apparently up to 10,000 players at, at the same time, which is honestly, it's pretty similar to where we are. We spent one year in no VC funding. And we, yeah, we do have some lag issues still, but those are getting fixed soon as well. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it felt like another, when I looked at the demo from Improbable a while back, it was, it was pretty much what the other side looked like. I mean, one of the things I like was, uh, you jump down like the the portal. That that was a cool experience. It was like going through the portal was pretty neat. To actually have that animation was pretty sick. I gotta admit that. Yeah, I think Cool Cats is also like uh, gonna be doing something with Improbable, like with Annie Mocha. I think it's gonna be in other side. I don't know if one hundred percent all that stuff, but their their holders are pissed off too because uh, they. Um, they laid off a whole bunch of people recently after getting a new CEO and just haven't been very transparent. Yeah, I think we have a big opportunity here. We just, we're going to keep shipping this and uh, eventually other projects are going to be like, why can't, like, I want to be in the Gachiverse. I want to, I want to play my, my NFT. There's uh, us and then there's web three. Web three is doing a, a decent job. I think, I was I jumped in it the other day. Someone I was playing around in their Halloween experience that they did. Didn't really get what to do. It felt very busy to me. I was immediately like I didn't really know. There was like this quest where I I literally couldn't get out of my bedroom. I don't know if you guys tried it, but you uh, when when you spawn in Web three, you drop into a bedroom and it felt like Pokemon. But I I just couldn't get out of my bedroom. It's like I don't know how to get out of this room. And so I, I was very frustrated, but I was able to get back to the the main like train station area. Yeah, yeah. Zico left the bedroom and then quit. <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't even figure out how to get out of the bedroom. Honestly, I think I think it was something related to like putting on VR goggles or something maybe, but none like no, nothing was clickable. It just didn't make any sense. <laughs> it was a very weird experience. And then yeah, you then you get into the main train area, which was the the train area like 
it was like a little quest where you went it, they brought you into the Halloween area, which was pretty cool. But again, it's like I, I didn't really feel like there was much to do. Like it goes basically just walking around talking to people, which is which is cool. It's what you do in a metaverse. But I think I'm spoiled by the gachi verse, guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's comfy. On Saturday, like we were talking about last night, um, when we were on the Meta Guild parcel, and their scholars, I believe it was their scholars, uh, in coordination, were all spamming like their Twitch, uh, the link to the Twitch uh, that their stream was on. And I was like, holy crap, we're seeing like a coordinated effort from a guild inside of the Gachiverse via the chat. I was like, all right, this is going well. This is cool. <laughs> Just wait till you can have people streaming the battling in the arena. And the streamers, they don't even have to fight. They could be, you could stream yourself just tipping out Kimika into the battle. Like, I think that itself, that would be a satisfying experience as a streamer, I think. Like, what chaos can I cause in this battle today? I mean, I'm going to drop, here's 10,000 FUD guys. And then they're, the people watching the streamer <laughs> are also entertained. So they're tipping the streamer, and the streamer's using those tips to then tip into the battle. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. While also doing commentary. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, that was what was funny about the, the Pampkins on Halloween, too, because No Futuristic and I were watching each other's streams so that we could coordinate everybody else based on where we were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the streams will be... Um... What I really liked about the pumpkins is that the, I mentioned this, I think, in the chat before. It's actually really hard for the bots to find them because, like, the, when you join as a bot, there's no API for for you to read. You literally have to find the pumpkin. If you're not if you're not in the right area, then you you literally don't see it. There's a right now in the Citadel. There's ten thousand different zones. So if you're if <laughs> you need like ten thousand observers to be able to maybe find a pumpkin. So good luck uh, doing that without getting flagged for by, by uh, the botting. So I think that'll be that could definitely be a fun thing. We can you know we'll continue to experiment with that. Yeah, especially with the um, really the tips that we were getting from the Ancon, like that could be lore based and make it like kind of like mm. fun and gamey. How long did it take you guys to kill those pumpkins? It, was, it seemed like they were, once you found it, it was like, what, a couple minutes? But it took a long time to find them. It wouldn't be a couple minutes, though, because we would have to, there were like a good 20 of us, maybe 30, chasing the pumpkin. And, you know, usually it'd be, initially somebody would find it and would just be hitting it. And, like, we'll all kind of get the coordinates and then slowly get over there. And then uh, just chase it around for a bit. But it would take, like, 15, 20 minutes per pumpkin. But finding it could take, you know, without the, the, the tips from the team, we were taking forever. <laughs> the Gachiverse is huge. So it was like, we're trying to do like quadrants and district by district, but, it, you know, with 20 players, it just wasn't enough. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually streaming on the last pumpkin, and we got rugged. So we found it with 11 minutes to go, and we were beating it up, but we were nowhere near killing it, and it just disappeared. 
<laughs> it's the last couple of minutes on my stream because I was there until the very <laughs> end. Yep, it was a great night. We had we had a good time. Yeah, and it it was Halloween night, you know, Eastern Standard Time, Halloween night. Yep. It's like, oh, okay, man, I got to take care of these pumpkins. I'm sorry, I can't come out to the bar right now. <laughs> like, no one right. I was literally about to walk out and then I saw the tweet of the video and I'm like, wait a second, hold up. I got to get on a stream. And like, yeah, basically half in costume, I jumped on the stream to fight pumpkins all night. Yeah, Flame says, giant pumpkins remain. We have RuneScape, but the Revenants fight back. Yeah, I think in a future yeah. version, these things are going to fight back for sure. <laughs> They're not going to be that easy to push around, literally. Well, I was saying I would love for, like, because this could be an Alchemica sink where you have your gachi can chase these things around and fight, but after a certain amount of time, kind of like a cool cat, uh, it gets tired. It has to go to sleep for, like, you know, for a cool down period. But you could pay some Alchemica to, or, I mean, you could use glitter because it's time, but in this case, it'd be cool for Alchemica where you have to spend some Alchemica to wake up your gachi or to revive mm -hmm. it, and then it can go back to fighting. You know, uh, Yannick said something like a couple weeks ago to Dalbini. He said, you know, gachis and glitter are kings in this game. And I believe, I tend to believe him. You know, I think glitter could be used to like speed up a lot of the time based things, you know, that people don't want to wait for. So whether it's making something or um, speeding up a cooldown or channeling, or, you know, I feel like there could be so many like time based sinks for glitter in the future where you know if you don't have glitter it's gonna it's gonna suck <laughs> you have to stake some stake for something you know stake for that glitter yeah yeah time travel exactly Jesse asked an interesting question earlier. He was asking if we were to do another pumpkin style event, what kind of uh, NPCs would people want to see? And like, when would you want that kind of event? Ducks. Okay. Are we shooting the ducks or? <laughs> <laughs> Turkey, turkeys is, Turkey is fine, except, you know, the, our community isn't just, uh, Halloween is kind of a global event at this point, whereas, uh, Thanksgiving is predominantly American, but you know a lot of our community is American, so also kind of makes sense. But what, one thing I'm actually interested in is uh, we have like these world holidays, but we also have crypto holidays. There's like things like the Bitcoin pizza, which would be that'd be a super fun event that we could do in the Gachiverse. That's a great idea giant pepes <laughs> yeah like like what are some crypto holidays that people like, there's like bitcoin pizza day i don't know like bitcoin light paper uh, white paper publishing well now ethereum merge. the merge day yeah any green day it's a holiday <laughs> true eip 1559 i mean a burn holiday <laughs> Yeah, it's gotta be like I like the pizza because it's so memeable. We could just literally have big pizzas that you gotta eat by killing them. <laughs> it's like a hungry hippo kind of game. We could have big satoshis running around somehow. 
Oh no, they're Craig Wrights, and we have to knock them down because they're Wrights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't want to get sued now. <laughs> Can we chase and blow up some ex-copy art? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, today, oh my god, it is the 5th of November, isn't it? Nice. That year just know. flew by. Last time, last time I looked at the calendar it was the launch of the Gachi Burst. Now I'm just like, I've aged in that time, you know. <laughs> yeah, some of our Gachis, our Gachis have grown wiser. <laughs> it's gonna be so cool. Like a couple years from now, looking at my Gachis when they have like three thousand kinship, two two or three thousand kinship. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, if if this channeling thing, I think Yannick said he's going to make a proposal to burn kinship, like uh, like we originally were kind of planning to do, but decided not to. That could be very interesting, honestly. If we were to implement a kinship burn, would we also become more open to introducing other ways to earn kinship, even if it's a fractional oh, yeah. kinship? Mm, I, okay. I really think we need to, at some point, um, have potions. In the, like that are redeem like earnable in the gachi verse, like it, you should you should ideally earn kinship by playing your gachi and like, you know if, maybe if you beat a pumpkin maybe part you it drops some alchemica but it also maybe drops some XP potions or kinship potions. That would be super cool. I think we're just gonna have to accept that the current market value of a kinship potion is like ridiculously high. It's it's sky high for because it's just there's just so few of them so when we start putting out more of those the obviously the, the market couldn't really sustain those actually this is a, a forum thread i started like a year and a half ago uh when it was just petting and i was like can we get something else that would give us fractional uh kinship mm -hmm. i think i was talking about the mini games though like like the number of times you played the mini games or like your placement on the board as a way to like move up the kinship, but that's like because you know I was trying to nerf everybody else at that point. It's interesting what Doctor Wagme's uh, kind of saying is the gachis are minting the kinship through activities, uh, but then instead of burning it on that end, it actually goes to uh, a wallet or it goes to some place where the points are kept track, mm -hmm. and then those could be used to to fund. You know, for example, you could create probably kinship potions out of that or experience or, yeah, it's really interesting. They're not minting new kin. Yeah. Cool. Right. So basically we would, uh, instead of minting new kin or or new, or we'll just talk about kin, I guess. So there, there'd be a, a basically a player reward allocation that, that, that could then be redistributed via kinship potion drops in the in the games is what you're saying yeah i think so what do you think about um to also add to some of this like channeling like cell pressure uh like a staking mechanic for avagachis like you stake it and you're in glitter it could be a small amount but if you don't want your kinship to drop you want to continue to have your gachi pet but you no longer can channel uh you earn glitter off from that I think people just need to make the decision. Do they want to spend their kinship now or do they want to spend it later? 
I don't think we need any more staking contracts at this point. I think that part of the ecosystem is it's pretty pretty set at this point. Like I don't think we need gachi staking contracts. There's plenty of ways for gachis to earn yield at this point. Well, yeah. I'm thinking more so to like uh, lower the number of gachis actually channeling, like take them out of supply essentially. Yeah, so well, that would that's kind of where um, the next season like of rarity farming would people would factor rarity farming into their equation. They would say, okay, is it worth it for me to channel and use my kinship now, or should I continue saving it for rarity farming? So you actually there'd be a, a lot of fewer gachis channeling because they they want to save up for rarity farming. Yeah, that makes sense. Like uh, Quincy says, I do not want to spend my rarity farming rewards. Uh, well, friends, I'm gonna I'm gonna get off here. Everyone have a, a lovely Saturday, and see you guys tomorrow for the down meeting, where we'll sure there'll be lots of good stuff to discuss. Absolutely, yeah. I can't believe it's nine oh four already. That flew by. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> All right, for Sweet. All right friends. I'll see you all tomorrow. Peace. Yeah, and uh, I see Dr. Wagme mentioning the Pond collab. Um, definitely go check out. I got an episode that I did with Pond. We do a deep dive into everything that they're doing right now. Um, so I'll just I'll plug my uh, I'll plug the episode right here. If you all want to catch up on Pond. And what they're doing there, I do an interview with them. And it was really good. We got into a lot of the um, aspects of peer-to-peer uh, -peer asset lending uh, with your assets and using gotchis as collateral. So really interesting stuff. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned for the DAO meeting tomorrow, 2 p.m. UTC. We'll be talking about uh, – we'll be, we'll be focusing on the mission and vision statement. I think we need to get something concrete around that. So we do have a discussion plan for that as well as going over some questions we might want to put together for our survey. Um, you know, of course, the Forge team is welcome to give their update as well. And we can also touch on the channeling discussion um, amongst uh, just a proposal review and all the other regular things we do. So take care, friends. If we don't see you this weekend, hope you all have a good weekend. And uh, peace out. Peace. Peace out, friends. Thank <laughs> you.